Hi, this is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith with the National Police Association, and this is the NPA Report. I have two guys with me today that I have had a great time getting to know. They, uh, well, I'm going to have them tell you about themselves because uh, they're first responders, but uh, they've made some changes, and they're trying to really make a difference in the world of first responder mental health. Matt and Travis, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us, Betsy. Yeah, thank you. So, Matt, let's start with you. Just tell people a little bit about yourselves. Uh, well, my name is Matt. Um, I'm currently the vice president for Hold Strong, and uh, we got Travis here, who's the president. Uh, but uh, I got a history of law enforcement, was a police officer for about seven years. Um, and I uh, was on the SWAT team for about three of those years. Um, also a veteran in the United States Army. Um, and currently I've had a lot of changes, but currently I'm working as an airport rescue firefighter. So been around, been some, been some cool places, seen some things, so. Awesome, and Travis, tell us about you. Uh, I'm also a military veteran. I was in the Air Force for four years. Um, born and raised right here in Flagstaff, Arizona. I. Uh, I got out of the military, decided to join law enforcement. I had a, a little bit of a shorter uh, law enforcement career, only four years that kind of came to an abrupt end, uh, which honestly is the reason for this organization. Uh, and now I'm currently working in the public works for city and then putting most of my effort into this organization as well. So guys, you are both, you know, basically born to a life of service. And, you know, you both went into the military and then wanted to serve your community. And, you know, what better way to do that than through law enforcement? But Travis, tell us the story of why your life changed so drastically. So in uh, February of 2018, I was involved in an officer-involved shooting with uh, another officer, um, Daniel Beckwith. Um, he kind of got affected by the, uh, you know, the symptoms of PTSD a little bit more than I did in that incident, incident, um, uh, right at a year after that, he, uh, he took his own life and whether, you know, that's one of the hard things with suicide is you don't know really the reasoning as to why, um, and really what happened. So about a, a year after that, I was involved in a, another officer-involved shooting, um, and that one did affect me. It, all the, the textbook symptoms of PTSD and everything that I really uh, was skeptical about, I guess, before this, um, just came knocking at my front door and pretty much changed every aspect of my life. Um, and again, I had my own issues with that for a long time. and. Um, almost exactly a year ago, uh, one of our very close friends, Jarrett Sugar, he, uh, he also took his life, um, and he was also a law enforcement officer and just kind of a culmination of everything. I decided that it was time to do something about it. And this is how Hold Strong kind of came to be made. Now, here's the thing that I want people to understand. You know, law enforcement is a dangerous profession. And, and, and we know, you know, like right now, officer ambushes, uh, 
are at an all-time high. Um, we have had uh, 40 police officers uh, murdered in the line of duty by gunfire. Um, and, it, you know, we're used to, as law enforcement officers, dealing with everybody else's stuff, right? And we see other people's suicides and we see murders and we see all those different things. Uh, we train for, uh, you know, possibly getting involved in a, in a shooting situation. Plus we see, you know, everybody's junk, right? I mean, you know, it basically as a police officer, you're involved in a lot, seeing a lot of just human depravity that most people never see in their whole lifetime. We see every day. So, you know, here you are um, in, a, in a city, and this is what I really want people to understand as well. Flagstaff, Arizona is not New York City. It's not LA, it's not Chicago. Uh, it's a, it's, it's the gateway to the Grand Canyon. That's what everybody knows about Flagstaff. And yet here you are, uh, you know, both of you in law enforcement, uh, Travis involved in a couple of shootings, and then both of you lose two friends in the profession to suicide. And, and instead of sitting back and, and saying, well, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. So I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to be angry. I'm going to get involved in alcoholism. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to do all the things that a lot of times cops do. You decided I'm going to do something constructive, didn't you? Talk about how Hold Strong began and what your plans are for the future. Well, it's like you said, Betsy, we're just, we're, uh, we're tired of our friends and, and good dudes losing their lives to this stuff. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's almost, none of this is easy, but it's almost easier to do something about it than to just sit back and keep losing friends and having those emotions take over our lives. Cause I mean, many other police officers know when, when you lose a buddy, it's, it's very emotional and it's hard and um, it just sucks. So we're just, we're tired of that. So we're ready to, you know, help people out, do something about it and stop losing good dudes, good people. And I, I think part of that is, is as police officers, we're so used to being in control, right? We go in and kind of control other people's lives and we fix problems. And, and first responder suicide, it, it, there's no easy fix to it. And, and I, I think that's frustrating. Don't you feel that, Travis? I do. And, you know, after my personal experience, I had gone, you know, through the typical channels that, you know, the department was supportive in the sense of getting me, you know, the professional help. And then I felt in my experience that it kind of, it kind of stopped working and I needed a different outlet. So then I became involved in a couple different support groups and not to discount what anyone else is doing, but the typical sit in a circle and talk about your feelings kind of thing. And I, and I found that, that that did not work for me. And it did not work for a lot of other people that I know in similar situations to me. So that's really how the idea for this organization and kind of a, a different route to the peer support system. Um, Why Hold Strong? Tell me the, the story of the name. Um, honestly, it's a, it was a song title that... <laughs> I had, I was trying to think of a name and you know, I was calling people, Hey, do you want to get involved? Do you want to help out with this? And, uh, 
you know, the first thing we had to do was a name and, and hold strong was a, a song title that, that I felt really, you know, it, it really described what we're trying to do, you know, hold strong against all these symptoms and, you know, all these issues and move forward. So you guys sat down and said, uh, all right, we got to do something. What, what are the first couple of things that you did that you felt would really meet the goal of peer support for first responders? So, yeah, I mean, the mission statement, absolutely. That's something that we, you know, sat down together and wrote and rewrote and how are we going to help and what are we going to do? Um, and from there, really, it kind of formed into this, uh, what are we actually going to do to help people? Uh, and that's kind of when the, the whole racing aspect of this came into light, um, you know, to get these, these guys together and girls uh, and build something that's very complicated. It takes a lot of teamwork. It's going to build that camaraderie with, um, you know, people like us that are no longer in law enforcement and kind of miss that. Um, so, you know, to do these, these off-road races, these thousand mile Baja 1000 races, um, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of dedication and it's, it's just an outlet in a different sense of, you know, we're going to get together. We're going to work on this thing uh, and just give them something besides like that. I'm a cop. This is what I do. I am a cop. Give them the opportunity to be a part of a, a race team. And uh, you know, if, and hopefully during that whole process, you know, things can come out. We can help them with emotions that they're having. Um, you know, Travis and I have both been in officer involved shootings. You know, we can come from a point of understanding and, and hopefully help them. And in the meantime, we're also building a race team and doing something other than just sitting in a circle and talking about our feelings and, and also other than just being a cop. So. Right. Cause cops like to do stuff, right? Yeah. So what's Baja racing, you know, explain that to people and, 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 what are some of the things that, that these uh, cops are going to do to prepare for those races? Like, what if I want to do it and I'm not very mechanical? Sure. That's a great question. So, and, and we understand that, like, there, there's a lot of law enforcement officers that are great, you know, mechanically and can work on their own cars because a lot of first responders are, you know, mechanically inclined, maybe because they don't have the income from their departments to pay for it. But so they end up doing it themselves. But uh, if you're not mechanically inclined, you know, there's tons of things that you can do on a race team. You know, logistics is a huge thing with, with racing, you know, just having, just having the right amount of food for the team out there is huge. Just, you know, having someone that can be a part of a pit crew and is able to fill up a race car with fuel or, you know, switch out drivers, shoot, you could even just drive. If you want to drive 200 miles in the Baja, you know, sign up, let's go. So, I mean, there's, there's just so many things like you could, uh, the list goes on. You don't have to be mechanically inclined to be part of our group and, and to get help from us. Now, you so you came up with this fantastic idea, and uh, but all ideas take money, right? So recently, um, you guys had your first fundraiser. Talk about that. Yeah, we did have our first fundraiser. And so like I had mentioned earlier, um, September 12th of 2020, we lost Jarrett Sugar. And something about Jarrett that I think everybody loved was 
every time we were at any kind of a function, cop related function, whatever it was, and there was some cornhole boards set up, he's over there throwing, throwing bags. So the idea came to do a, a cornhole tournament. Um, and it, it was a fantastic turnout. It was a fantastic event. Um, the amount of sponsors that we had, you know, supporting our cause and supporting the event. Um, and, and really just in remembering who he was and how great of a person that he was. Um, and it, there, there was no complaint. It came together. Fantastic. So you decided to do cornhole, which I actually just recently discovered is like a national sport, a professional yeah. national sport. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And I just, I can just imagine what a great day that was. And, and that right there, getting everybody together to do something where there's, there's sport, there's competition, um, there's family, right? I mean, this is something that kids can get involved in and everybody's family can get involved in and you can bring friends from other professions. That in and of itself is kind of, cat, uh, what can I call, sort of unofficial peer support, isn't it? Doing things like that. Absolutely. 100%. And, you know, it, it was great because, you know, even if officers that didn't want to play cornhole, they could just come and hang out and talk. And, you know, we had a bunch of raffle prizes there some from some great sponsors that people got the opportunity to, to get uh, to win. And, um, you know, people can talk and it, it's just a great time to all get together while not being under the, the, uh, the typical cop life, you know, being on a call or something like that. It's just an opportunity to get away from that. And just, yeah. Now, Matt, you ended up going from police work into uh, the fire service. So I think that uh, our, our brothers and sisters in the fire service, you know, so you see all the same issues that, uh, or a lot of the same issues that cops do. Um, you know, and then you see other things, you see horrible injuries, illness, things like that. Um, what do you think is important for people in the fire service, um, to get involved in when it comes to their own mental health as well? Well, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, they, so coming from law enforcement into the fire side, it kind of opened my eyes to what other things, um, and different things that firefighters see. It's not all the same, but a lot of it is the same. Um, <clears throat> you know, they firefighters see some horrible stuff when it comes to motor vehicle accidents and uh, structure fires, uh, airplane fires, anything like that. Um, and it's hard, you know, talking about the terrible things you see is just in itself hard to do. So uh, when it comes to, <clears throat> you know, doing something about it as a firefighter, peer support is huge. I mean, if you just have a friend to talk to your coworker or a group like us, like it's huge. Um, and that's the first step with anything, you know, obviously is talking about it and uh, being open with it. So. How does, uh, and, and Travis, you know, you, uh, when you went through um, all of, all of your, you know, your shootings and the suicides of your friends and, and things like that, how was peer support different from talking one-on-one -on -one with a mental health professional? And how do we keep peer support from coming, uh, from becoming just a bitch session? 
Well, it, it, it's more than just becoming the bitch session is so the one-on-one, you know, doctor patient, uh, they're a professional. And I would say they, they really don't know what it's like until you're in that moment and bullets are flying at you. You really don't know what it's, what it's like. So the peer support from, you know, just the people that I worked with, you know, after the, this last shooting that ultimately ended my career, um, you know, it's, it's getting together, talking about the event, talking about whatever. Um, and one of the things with, with that is, you know, the, the peer support that I had um, and was involved in after the shooting is a lot of these events, like you had mentioned earlier, it always becomes a bitch fest and it becomes a giant alcohol we're going to, we're going to pound beers till three o'clock in the morning. And that's something that I wanted to get away from with this. Um, and, you know, even, even after Jared's death last year, um, you know, it was peer support, you know, we're getting together at people's houses all the time, you know, without, without a purpose of something to do, like you, you don't have a purpose of building this race vehicle or doing something. It ends up being, you know, this, uh, this drinking fest. And that's something that, I struggled with, um, for a long time. And, uh, this was a way of getting away from that side of it. And I think that's really important to, for people to understand that very often, um, as first responders, we kind of self-medicate when we're, when we're sad, when we're angry, when we're hurt, when we're upset. And yes, we talk to each other, but when you do it, you know, it, you know, safely at somebody's house or whatever, you're still involving that self-medication of alcohol. And that can be extremely dangerous um, for police officers because, it, let's face it, we are affected just like the public is by addiction, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, we're all human, so. And that's the thing. And, and, and so, you know, I, what I really love about what you guys are doing is uh, channeling that need to have an outlet and to do something. Why Baja racing? Where did you come up with that? Well, Baja racing, because it's, it's the longest off-road race in the world. And you have these cops that are all type A personalities. And yeah, we could go do, you know, a bike race or we could do whatever but why not just go all out and make it the the biggest challenge that there is really um in in the off-road racing world so it's kind of an all or nothing kind of deal and and uh you have like i said these type a personalities you're gonna get that competitive side that comes out and uh it's kind of a a, a lot of everything in in one so where are we going from here? You've had your uh, first fundraiser and uh, you've got a website and all your social media stuff that we'll talk about in a couple minutes. But uh, so have you got a vehicle? Have you got a race in mind? Where are we heading right now? So the, the vehicle and building this thing from the ground up is what's going to start next. Um, now that with this fundraiser, we have some funds to actually start doing things. Um, and then I, I think from here, as we build it, uh, the big idea is to start getting some sponsors and some people that, uh, also want to help support this cause. Um, and, you know, for the people who, who can't be involved with 
you know, because we are in Flagstaff, Arizona, but I've already had people reach out from, you know, South Carolina and Arkansas wondering how they can get involved. Um, and I think, you know, with us building this thing and, uh, you know, having the YouTube series kind of, you know, it chronologically just shows this thing come from nothing to something um, is, I think, a, a good way that people from the outside would be able to at least somewhat get involved and follow it. That's fantastic. I love all of your goals. Tell us where people can find you, the website, social media, YouTube. Tell us where they can uh, get involved in Hold Strong. Um, so we, our website is holdstronginc.org. Um, on that is all of our social media. It's uh, Instagram is at holdstronginc. I think there's there might be an underscore in there. Uh, the, the YouTube channel is... I don't even know if it's set up yet, but it's going to be uh, very soon and it will be uh, linked on the, um, the website as well. And then on Facebook, uh, we have a Hold Strong page as well. Awesome. This is a, such a new endeavor and <clears throat> I am so excited to have the opportunity to be able to watch this thing grow. And uh, I think in a year or two, I'm going to be back talking to you and, uh, and it's going to be huge. So I thank you guys for spending time with me to talk about Hold Strong, to kind of bear your feelings a little bit. And we look forward to hearing much more from you guys in the future. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.